Hi, I'm Jack Cush with RoomNow.com. I'm here to talk about the COVID-19 Global Rheumatology Alliance and one of the forces behind that, Dr. Philip Robinson from the University of Queensland in Brisbane. Hello, Philip. Hi, how you doing, Jack? Great, I'm so glad to have you on. Tell us about so this amazing project that um, has really gotten off to a rocket start. Um, and it's, a, it's got the endorsement of everybody in the rheumatology community, but tell me how the idea was formed and who's been behind it. So we were, we were just sitting on Twitter discussing these, um, you know, the pandemic, right? It's, it's, the, it's what everyone's talking about, it's what we were worrying about. And at that time around the 11th or 12th of March, depending on where you were in the world, uh, things were just getting started really. Uh, things were starting to look, starting to look like it might go quite bad. And uh, uh, Len Calabresi from uh, Cleveland said, hey, look, uh, these IBD guys have started a registry. So a few of us started talking about this. And uh, myself and Janusi Asdani from UCSF sort of said, well, look, let's just run with this. Let's just get this going. So... Um, uh, you know, we set up a Zoom call within about a day and talked about it. And then we just got on with it and sort of dragged in people who were uh, keen and interested to help. And it's just, it's just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, it went from something like 20 on the first day and then 50 and then 80 and then to sort of the, the email list that we we're using. And now it's, now there's over, over 300 people. And as you say, you know, well over a hundred organizations that are, that have said that they are keen to support us. So you've gone from zero to a hundred miles an hour real quick. And at this point, it seems like less than two weeks later, since I've heard about it, you've already got 52 patients enrolled um, and, and ULR's got its parallel registry. Tell the, rela the relationship between the uh, GRA and the European ULR registry. Yeah, so as of right now, we've got 57 in the um, global registry due to, um, European laws and stuff. We've got a, essentially a mirror registry there that, that exactly mirrors the global registry and we're going to come together and report it. And the only reason that they're separate is just due to regulation. But um, we have um, a fantastic ULA uh, representative sitting on the steering committee and we are committed to doing this as a global effort. So that is just an administrative thing really. But if there are Europeans that want to report, they need to report into the European registry and that's on our homepage. So what are the goals? What are you looking in this registry? What data are you looking to acquire? So essentially, we are trying to get data that can help rheumatologists practice with their patients. And to do that, we need to know about rheumatology patients who have become infected. So we're interested in getting information about patient demographics, about their diagnoses, about the medications they're on, about their comorbidities and then how they've, how they've gone when they've gone an infection. And we're, we're collecting a few other small things around the side, but those are the sort of the big ticket items that are going to help us at least start to think about um, how we maybe should be managing these patients. So rooms uh, are going to enroll patients uh, if, if they have proven infection or suspected infection or no infection at all. So we are interested in patients who have likely infection. And there are, the, we capture the information about, um, uh, about what, how the diagnosis was made. And certainly 
if you have a patient who is in close contact and they have pretty typical symptoms, then there's an option in the registry to say, look, symptoms are very consistent with that. So we're not too rigid about this because um, we can always cut the data later and say, these are the people that were proven with RNA tests. We, we want to try and collect as much as we can because that's where we think we're going to be able to um, get and help people. So I just had a lupus patient, a young male, um, on some research drugs, pretty active lupus, doing fairly well, come down with very flu-like symptoms, very COVID-like. We sent him for testing. We got back to test yesterday. He's negative, but I would have enrolled him in this, in this, in, in this registry. I think, do you think that's not a good idea or a good idea? Well, one of the really great things that we've been managed to, that we've managed to set up with the registry is that it will enable you to go back and update information. So you can say, hey, look, this looks really like COVID to me. Put all the data in there. And then later on, maybe they have a first test and you think, you know, is this a false negative? And then they have a second test and maybe a serology. You can come back to us and go, look, guys, it looked for all the world like an infection, but in fact, it wasn't. So I think you should take that out of the data set. So we actually have the ability because... And the other thing you can do is even if you've got a proven patient, you can say, hey, they're in hospital now. They're not, they're not intubated. They're not in ICU. They seem to be doing well. And, you know, who knows what could happen to them, right? You report them and then you can come back to us later going, look, great news. They got better. They're out of hospital or, you know, they deteriorated or whatever happens to them. You can give us the full story. You don't need to wait all the way um, until the end. When you first started this registry, my partner, Catherine Dow, wrote an introductory piece that you and Suleiman Bana put together a, a follow-up piece to. But she came to me, she said, look, let's start collecting um, names of patients who we think might have this kind of infection. And I looked at her and I said, I haven't had anybody yet. And as soon as we had that discussion, by the end of the day, I had three people on my list. By the next day, I had another five people on my list. So I think the idea is getting into people's heads that we need to collect this data is going to make the data collection a whole lot easier. Yeah. yeah, and, and that's, the, that's the thing that we've been really blown away by. The people have said, look, I think this is valuable. Hey, I'm going to tell my friends, I'm going to send my networks. And we've had all these state-based and global and country networks say, hey, we're sending it out there. And we've had a huge flood of people both follow the Twitter and go and visit the website. And, uh, and, and, we've all, and, and we're working on promoting that and also through other avenues as well. So do you want the doctors to register on the site first and then enter patients or is it all the same, same step? Yeah, so we, there's no double step. There's no sort of password or any sort of frustrating thing like that. You just need to go to the website. There's a very clear button on the homepage, report a case. You click through and you just start putting in the details. Um, you, we have your, um, we ask for your email address and permission to contact you about the case. And that's simply so you can update us if you want, or we can actually expand on the studies if you want to get involved in that. So that's the way that we help to close the loop. But of course, if you, if you don't want to, then that's fine. But if you just want to report the case, uh, but we give you that option as well. My last question is, um, I see you're interested in patient-centered research. Tell me what you're going after. Yeah, so we also think that um, talking directly to patients is of value because uh, rheumatologists and hospital doctors are 
probably only going to see a certain type of patient. They're not going to see the mild patient that, is, that stays at home. And you can certainly imagine how that would create quite a bias in the patients that we collect in the registry. So we, we were very keen to engage directly with patients to find out uh, what was happening to them. So if they said, hey, look, I went to my family doctor, I got a test, I was positive, I was well, I stayed at home, you know, maybe I got my methotrexate stopped or, or you know, that sort of detail is valuable because that fills out the other side of this. And we're also engaging with payers in the United States as well. We've had a couple come to us saying, we would love to give you administrative level data. Now that clearly doesn't have quite the granularity of physicians or patients, but certainly it's another aspect to try and get as many of those different cases from, as, from the different angles as possible. So I wanna close by uh, informing our audience to follow the registry on Twitter. It's at room underscore COVID. And then the site to go to to enroll a patient is room-covid.org. Philip, do you have any closing comments? I, uh, I just wanna say that if you're able to, I think it would be doing a great service to your community and your patients if you're able to report cases. Certainly realize that everyone's busy right now, but it's certainly gonna benefit the community if you're able to do that. So thank you very much. Together, we can get a lot of great data right quick, as we say here in Texas. Uh, we should all be a part of this. Yeah. All right, Philip, thank you very much. Great. Thanks, Jack. I really appreciate your support. Okay. Hey, this is going to be great. Is there a, um, um, hold on a second. Uh, yeah.